Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 25. Read the the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and you see some surprising names in there. And God chose that whole line. And here's the beauty of how it works. God, you know, uh, predestination is taught in the Bible, and it means that God chose you as well to be his child. That's pretty cool, isn't it? God can't learn anything. Everything is now for God. He's never surprised. He never looks at Michael up in heaven and goes, boy, I didn't see that one coming. God lives in the now because he's eternal. That's what's called simultaneous election. All right, so the mention of um, this particular scene is in Romans 9, as I mentioned, 10 through 12. And so the war was going on. Pick it up with me, Genesis 25, 24. And it says, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. So that's why I said you pray, you get more than you bargain for. <laughs> they got twins, right? And the first came forth red all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Now, if you look up the name Esau, I think you'll find in many of the lexicons that the name means hairy. And if you look up the name Edom, Edom is the nation that came from Esau, and Edom means red. So I've heard some people call Esau Big Red. That may be pretty close, but he was hairy and red. In fact, um, it's believed from these descriptions that he probably had red hair. And those who are in Western culture picked up the idea of the red-headed stepchild. I think that's actually where a lot of this kind of stuff comes from. But Esau comes forth. He's born first. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob or Yaakov. Yaakov. And Isaac was, here's the 20 years, 60 years old. He married Rebekah at 40. He was 60 when she gave birth to them. So Esau came forth first, and I don't know if there was a, a nursemaid there or whatever, but I'm sure when she grabbed him, she said, did you already put a blanket on him? Was I, was I not watching? <laughs> he was hairy. He was a furry guy. And uh, Jacob came forth second, and he had a hand on uh, Esau's heel, which is interesting because remember in the womb, what were they doing? They were struggling. There was like a war going on, a precursor of relations between these two nations. And it's interesting to think about this, but some believe that what Jacob was doing by grabbing his brother's heel was trying to pull him back into the womb. Kind of like, no, I'm first. You're not going first. Get back in there. So that was a precursor of things to come. And so he was known as, his name has the idea of the heel catcher or the heel grabber. You guys have heard that in terms of his particular name. And so Esau and then Jacob. Uh, some say that his, his name, Yaakov, in Hebrew means to protect. For example, one writer says, those who follow at the heels of the rear guard of an army. So it could mean heel catcher or protector. And uh, we, we don't have a whole lot here because all of a sudden it says, when the boys grew up, 27, Esau became a skillful hunter. 
a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now, I want to talk about these two guys for a second. Skillful hunter was Esau. Jacob was a peaceful man. This is an important Hebrew word to write down. It's T-A-A-M, Tom, or Ta'am. And the word in Hebrew for a peaceful man is, uh, here's how you describe it. The word means complete, perfect, one who lacks nothing in physical strength or beauty. It speaks of uh, perfect or upright. It's used in Job 1.8 when God describes Job as a blameless and upright man. There, the word is used for blameless. So, uh, you know, in some ancient versions, it called Jacob kind of a plain guy. That's not what the Hebrew word means. The Hebrew word actually means that he was strong, he was confident, he was able. It's that kind of idea. In fact, the word has the connotation that he was blameless. And so when you think of Jacob, don't think of some soft dude. That's not what he was. He was a strong man, and he, but he seemed to be a man who had other interests, and he stayed close to the tent, while Esau was a mountain man who didn't even need a fur coat. So just so you have that. Um, I had the chance to go to Israel in 2006, and just so you know, we're planning a trip to Israel in the spring of 2018. So we're going to give you, and we'll have a brochure for you soon. Uh, I'm going to be teaching at a lot of the historical sites, so if you want to go to Israel, you have to save about $4,000. That's what it'll cost. But if you want to go... Here's where I'm going with this. Uh, so spring of 2018, start saving your money. You'll have about a year and a half to save. Um, you'll find something about the uh, Jewish people that is quite amazing. They are tough. They are enterprising people. They are exporting fruits and vegetables all over the world. They're probably the top in the top three or four in technology. They are incredible in um, uh, counterintelligence kind of stuff and protecting their nation. They are a very, very enterprising people. They're a very strong people. You, everybody who's a citizen of Israel must serve in the military for two years, male and female, no exceptions. So if you, may, you meet a lady in the restaurant and she's working in the restaurant, she's been in the military for two years and you know it. They're nice, very, very sweet people, but they're tough. Like, Can I have another carrot? All right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway. Now, Isaac loved Esau because, now this is, this is per, uh, how not to parent 101 right here. Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. Boy, I love that kid. He's always killing things. It's great, and then we come back and we roast him together, and we kick back. He's a great kid. Hunter. Harry. <laughs> Love that boy. Man, we have great dinners together. That's the uh, deeply spiritual father, Isaac, son of promise, because he had a taste for game. But Rebecca, who did she love? She loved Jacob. Now, I want to mention this. I don't think this means that they didn't love the other children. I think this just means they had more love for the particular kids. So 
This is, this is obviously a big mistake in parenting to show favoritism, but you know what? Humans are humans, and this, unfortunately, is what often happens. So Esau, one writer says, was a likable guy, but he was a fleshly man. Uh, in fact, he forgave Jacob and moved on in chapter 33. We'll see him be gracious to his brother, but he was godless. He was an immoral person. Thomas Carlyle says of Esau, he's the kind of man whom we're in the habit of charitably saying that he is nobody's enemy but his own. But in truth, he is God's enemy. Because he wastes the splendid manhood which God has given him, he's passionate and patient, impulsive, incapable of looking before him, refusing to estimate the worth of anything which does not immediately appeal to his sense, preferring the animal over the spiritual. He is called a profane person. Jacob, on the other hand, seems strong, steady, thinks about things, uh, plans for the future. I don't know what camp you fall in. I don't know if you're a, a person, maybe you're changing. You know, do you remember that Jacob, um, he has, this is ahead of us, he has that wrestling match one night with God, and he wrestles all night with God, the angel of the Lord, and he won't let go until God does what? I won't let go until you bless me, right? And he holds on. Jacob cared about spiritual things. He cared about birthrights and blessings. He cared about the lineage. He cared about being in connection with God. And his name gets changed from Jacob to Israel. And there are many commentators that believe that Israel means governed by God. And so even though he gets a bad, you know, maybe not a bad rap. I think it's an honest thing that he was a conniver. Still, he, he was more concerned about the spiritual than Esau. And when Jacob had cooked stew, 29, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. So Esau went out, I'm sure early he was hunting, and Jacob decided to make some stew. I don't know what kind of stew it was, but there's a mention of lentils here and so forth, but I'm sure it smelled good, and I have a feeling, this is my own personal view, but I think it will be borne out, that do you know, have you ever been, do you wonder why they put fitness uh, places right next to In-N-Out? <laughs> I believe that In-N-Out has hired somebody to sit on the top of their building and fan the smell of the food into all the buildings that surround. Because people, you know, it's 10.30. I'm, I have a son that works there, and he says at 10.30 in the morning, there's people lined up at the door. And they just come like that. Ah. <laughs> right? Christian-owned company, though. My son works there, so that's good. And it is good food. But here's the thing. I think Jacob planned the timing. You see... We don't have all the details here, but I think he was in the kitchen making the stew, knowing that Esau was coming home. I was like, uh -huh, yeah, and fanning it out. I think there's a little bit of a trap set here for Esau. And he knew how his brother was. All right, let's go. Came in the door like that. I got to eat. Like a lot of teenagers, if you haven't eaten in 20 minutes, you know, it's the end of the world. So Jacob had cooked, up, cooked stew, but he had really cooked up a plan. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there. I'm famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Remember I told you, Edom means red. Man, just give me a bite, bro. <laughs> now, I have three boys at home, okay? 
So we'll go and we'll eat somewhere and leftovers will remain, which is somewhat unique in the household, but it does happen. And they take permanent marker out. I don't know if I can get a witness in the room. But, and they say something like this, on threat of death. <laughs> if you touch these leftover taquitos, you will die. It's one of those plastic containers. <laughs> and you know what ends up happening? They don't eat leftovers. Most of the time. But dad owns the house. So I go into the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I pay the mortgage. Threat of death. <laughs> Where were you when I got down on my knees and paid the mortgage to this house? Where were you? Anyway, personal time in there. Boy, the food just drifted into Esau's nostrils. Oh, brother, man. Just a bowl. Come on. <laughs> Give me some of the soup. And Jacob said, first, 31, first, sell me your birthright. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty. It wasn't like, hey, can I take your car for a spin? <laughs> In this case, your camel. You know, none of that. Hey, oh, well, if you want some, <laughs> it's going to cost you. What? Oh, your birthright. <laughs> You will no longer be categorized as the firstborn. How's that sound to you? I actually got a contract prepared right here. Do you need an attorney to read through that? I <laughs> just prepared that just in case you'd say yes. And Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. This is not just some light thing. He's asking for an official oath. So he swore to him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. If you have an ESV, it says, sell me your birthright now, verse 31, and then ESV, verse 33, swear to me now. Jacob is like, I'm closing the deal now. And Esau said, yeah, 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 yeah. So Jacob gave Esau bread, lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. And then you know, you would think that the account would end this way. Thus, Jacob connived his brother into selling his birthright. That's what you might expect to read, but what do you read? Thus what? Esau despised, the Hebrew word is bazah, B-A-Z-A-H. It means to disesteem, to hold in contempt, to disdain his birthright. He basically decided that his birthright meant nothing, although for him, in this line that he was in, his birthright meant that he was going to really have access to everything, double what his brother would have at least, and he gave it away for a moment of what? Stew? But let me ask you, turn in your Bible to Hebrews 12. Let me ask you, how many believers do you know who have forfeited their birthright for a moment of pleasure? How many people tonight, you know, and, and when we're in a moment, when, when our flesh is screaming out for satisfaction and we've got tunnel vision, man, we got to know. What do we do? We had a guy call the program today and he was honest. He said, man, I, ha I have trouble keeping my eyes where my eyes need to be. And so we, all, we were given suggestions on, you know, how you deal with the battle. 
The battle is not easy, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, in Hebrews 12, we have the New Testament commentary on Genesis 25. And we'll move quickly through this, but I just want you to see what's happening here. So in Hebrews chapter 12, what's happening is the writer has just told the Hebrew church, don't give up, but just, oh, by the way, God is a disciplining God, and God will discipline the children that he loves. And so this message could be entitled, What to Do When You're Disciplined. Here's what it says, Hebrews 12, 12. Therefore, in light of God's discipline is the context, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Now, I've underlined the knees that are feeble for personal reasons. I've got knee issues, and some of you may be able to relate to that. And so knees that are feeble are, you know, can be tough. Hands that are weak, you know, sometimes your hands fall down when you're tired. But here the idea is when you've been disciplined, what do you do? Let's say that you've been in a situation where you've been a wayward believer. You've made your mistakes and God's spanked you and you know it's God. Now what do you do? Is that it? Do you get called into God's woodshed and he spanks you and it's over? No. Whenever God disciplines, what does he want? He wants your restoration. He wants you to be stronger than you were before. Just like when you, if you would discipline your child, why would you do it? To protect them and to cause them to learn something from the mistake that they made. So it says, therefore, in light of God's discipline, strengthen the hands, go, here's the idea, go into rehab. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a surgery, if something happens to you and something gets out of whack, you go and rehabilitate that part of your body. And a doctor can tell you, I can fix that, but you're, a lot of your recovery and the strength in that limb will be due to how good you are at rehabilitation, how hard you work, how much you're willing to exercise that part of your body. And it says, make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather what? That it be healed. And I wrote Jacob in my Bible because he, uh, you know, he had his hip that was put out of joint. It says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. And if you look at verse 15, it talks about this root of bitterness. Now, I think anybody who does anything with your own lawn knows something about weeds. I have weeds everywhere, but I do have a weed whacker. And I do enjoy using it. I just like, right? And you put on the sunglasses and you just whack those weeds. But here's something I know about weeds. When I whack them, I know something's going to happen. I know I'll be seeing that weed in about two more weeks. Because in order to get rid of weeds, you've got to pull them up by the, but that's hard work. I hire people for that. I whack them. <laughs> I don't pull them up. Because have you ever tried to pull up something? Uh, some weeds, they have fangs on them, right? You try to pull them up. Ah, it's terrible, right? 
So that's one thing I know. If I whack the top of a weed, <laughs> I go, see in a couple weeks. Didn't deal with the root, but right now things look good. Some of you, that's how you deal with your spiritual life. You whack the weed on the surface, but you don't deal with the root. And so one thing you can know is things can look good for a little while when you do that, but that weed's coming back because you didn't deal with the root. Is there some implication to what God knew about Esau that, you know, there's a couple of times as we read on in the story that Esau, he's upset. He said, you conniving brother, you stole the birthright and the blessing. Boo hoo hoo hoo. Dad, isn't there a blessing for me? And dad said, uh, sorry, you gave it away. Basically paraphrasing. And a warning comes from the writer of Hebrews. Be careful. Because a root of bitterness, and notice it's called 15, a root of bitterness can spring up and cause trouble, not just for you, but many can be defiled by a root of bitterness. Get down to the root, deal with it. You may say, well, how, how do you do that, Pastor Michael? You don't play games. If you have a besetting sin, you deal with it. You put it in the light before God. You get help for that specific thing. You don't play games with it. You deal with the root of it. Otherwise, it's just going to come back. Don't be, he says, an immoral person. This has the idea of sexual immorality or a godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it. He sought for it with tears. You see, the Bible says, see to it that you don't do this. Um, so what does this mean for our spiritual lives? Well, I think it means a whole lot because I'm watching many people in the church um, and I'm not talking about this church, but I'm talking about the church and we're getting statistics on the sad realities of Bible reading and people are not picking up their Bibles and they're not going deep with God and they're not understanding the investment that it takes to be a strong Christian. And so a lot of, a lot of people are are ending up selling their birthright for a moment of pleasure. We have people who are broken inside the church. Sometimes we're shocked by it. We're like, well, what happened there? Well, it's more than just one thing. And so um, would that we go deep with God so that we have good, deep roots in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our hearts. Father, thank you. Um, this is a this particular message does make us really contemplate where we are. And thank you for the many wonderful believers that are here tonight. And, and they are anchored to you and they are walking with you. And, and none of us are going to do it perfectly, Lord. We know that. But we know that um, this particular story of Jacob and Esau illustrates, um, you know, one man that let the flesh dominate him and he paid some, some deep prices for that. Um, and one man who, he certainly wasn't perfect. Neither one of these guys are perfect, but, but Jacob uh, did inherit the birthright and the blessing, and that was your plan all along. And we know that Jacob tried to manipulate it instead of trusting in you, and there's lessons for us there as well. Oh, God, um, I just pray that the appropriate application that you want to make to our lives tonight would just be crystal clear that we're anchored to you, that we're walking with you, that we're not letting momentary pleasure 
um, that passes so quickly, uh, steer us in directions that are not healthy for us and not pleasing to you. So God, help us in our areas of weakness. Uh, I pray over the church tonight. I pray that you'd keep us strong and protected from the evil one. I pray that we'd learn from these stories so that we'll, we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And I pray that just some fresh living water will flow into the believers' lives tonight, Lord. So we'll walk in the spirit, walk in your light, and experience the, the joy of knowing you closer and closer each day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listening family, did you know that we have another show? Hey, it's called The Bible Answer Show. It's on Facebook Live. Right now we're doing it on Fridays at noon. That's noon Pacific time. And the format is this. We do an hour on Friday afternoons, and we are doing questions and answers live on Facebook. And you can ask your questions by going to Facebook, search The Bible Answer Show, make sure you like it and share it. And in the comment section, you can ask any question during that time or even in the week before or after. And we'll take your question and answer it live at the Bible Answer Show on Facebook. We have a panel of pastors, professors, and others who join us. And we take your question, whatever question you might have about the Bible, cults, the occult, world religions, a practical question about how to apply a Bible verse, question that came up in Bible study, whatever it may be. And we deal with those questions live on the air. By the way, past broadcasts of the Bible Answer Show are also available on our Facebook page at the Bible Answer Show. So check it out. We'd love for you to join us live or go back and check it out. You'll get some answers to your questions. Tell a friend about it, like it and share it. And we'll catch up to you on the Bible Answer Show. Catch you on Friday. God bless you. Hey, listening family, it is summertime and that means Vacation Bible School VBS is coming to Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. The dates are July 10th through the 14th, and registration has begun for children kindergarten through sixth grade at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. The theme for this year's VBS, or Vacation Bible School, is Maker Fun Factory, created by God and built for a purpose. And there your kids will experience the fact that God is their creator, and he especially gifted them for a good purpose. That is July 10th through the 14th, Vacation Bible School here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Sign up your kids today at livingtruthcorona.org. You can find out all the information you need there. Get your kids registered, and we look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. 880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.